0: Now, when we talk about types and shadows in the Bible, we are really talking about real people, real history, in real time, wherein there is a progressive revelation of the Lord Jesus. And if I may use my telescope uh, illustration again, when the telescope is in, well, you see things in a very broad picture. But the more you pull it out, the closer you get to the object. And that is what happens when we read through the Old Testament and get closer to the birth and the coming of the Lord into the world. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. I trust today God will draw near, bless, and work in your heart as we preach the Word today we're looking at the interpretation of the Old Testament scriptures. We're going to be looking at Noah as a type of Christ, a type of what we learn in the New Testament, yet thousands of years prior, after the world was destroyed by a flood, and Noah was received, given covenants and promises, and in those there are gospel pictures, even in the ark itself. This is is really fascinating Bible study, and we invite you to join with us through the program today as we learn of these things. We have a hymn today, The Blood Shall Never Lose Its Power, by the Whitfield Choir, and then a story of a Reverend Fraser who learned the Scriptures on his knees, and every one of us will get to the point where We learn most from the Spirit of God while we are in prayer on our knees. So, stay tuned with us right through the program today, and we trust the Lord will bless you as we let the Bible speak. We are looking into Bible interpretation. It can be a thorny issue. It can be a tedious issue. If you have ever tried to sit down and read a book on Bible interpretation— you will discover it can be hard-going, because there are theories and principles and ideas and warnings, and there's mistakes. But there's one thing that we should remember, and that is that though we have an infallible Bible, we are not infallible interpreters of the Bible. And that calls us to caution, and it calls us to seek God's wisdom in understanding the Bible. Now, sometimes it depends what lens you use to look into the Bible. And just as if you put on a pair of glasses that the lens are colored red, everything you see is going to be colored red or green or blue. Everything you look at will be colored because of those lenses. And the reality is that because we have sinful natures— and we have biases and prejudices, some of them just by Adamic nature, some of them by our wrong thinking, humanism, secularism, and all the the notions of the world that have been filling our minds over the years. When we come to look at the Bible, we discover that the lens by which we see things can be colored differently. And so, we really need to pray, Lord, take off the wrong lens. Take away the blindness of our eyes and enable us to see the truth that is found in the Word of God. Now, when we talk about types and shadows in the Bible, we are really talking about real people, real history, in real time, wherein there is a progressive revelation of the Lord Jesus. And if I may use my telescope uh, illustration again, when the telescope is in, well, you see things in a very broad picture. But the more you pull it out, the closer you get to the object. And that is what happens when we read through the Old Testament and get closer to the birth and the coming of the Lord into the world at first, here in the book of Genesis and in the early chapters, we see things darkly. We see things in shadow. But then, as time goes on and the picture of the gospel grows more clear, then we begin to dwell on the Lord more clearly. Now, this is especially true with these Old Testament figures with whom God made covenants. And I did refer to that to some degree already, but we must not miss the reference to covenants in the Old Testament. Now, remember our definition of a covenant. It is a sovereign pledge ratified by blood. By definition, the word covenant means to cut an agreement. And that basically comes from the idea of a sacrifice that was cut or carved in two, and that represented the two parts of the agreement, one half for each party, and sometimes the person would even walk in between the carved animal, and that would be the ratification. That would be the sealing of the deal that was absolutely Unchangeable arrangement, an agreement between two parties. And so a covenant is can be referred to as cutting a covenant. Now, when we come to this man Noah, we find that God made a covenant with him, and we discover that he is undoubtedly a picture, a type of the Lord Jesus. We have good biblical mandate for doing that because we have such statements as this from our Lord Jesus, where he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They shall eat and drink, they shall marry wives, they were given in marriage, and so on, and uh, they entered into the ark. So we see this this likeness between the days of our Lord and the life and times of Noah— Now, Noah stands, obviously, as a very pivotal figure in world history. He is the man that really bridges the old world, which was pre-flood, which perished in God's judgment because of sin, and the new world, which began through the line of Noah. And Noah becomes a representative man. He becomes the head of the human race. Now, not a new race. It's the same human race. But because of the flood and the death of all living things, Noah now becomes the head of the human race from here on, to the point where Paul said in Acts 17 that we are all of one blood. All the nations of the world can trace their ancestry right back to Noah. Now, Noah's life is a tribute to God's mercy and his purpose of redeeming a people in this world. Noah stands for mercy, and we're going to see that in in a number of ways here this evening. He was the head of a new world of people, and He was the figure that brought God's mercy to a new world and to a new people. Now, we don't stop with the historical accounts of Noah and the events of that day, because what happened through Noah, the covenant of mercy that God made with him, the rainbow, and all that God promised to Noah is really... A sketch. You remember what we talked about, a shadow being a penciled-in sketch of a painting before the painting is applied? Well, Noah prefigures. He is an outline of the coming Messiah, the Redeemer of the world. And so, when we look at Noah, don't miss Christ. Don't miss seeing the coming Savior of the world now i have a number of parallels so i must rush on the first one is he is he's a type of the lord he parallels he prefigures the lord jesus in his name the name noah means rest he lived through what we could say the most troublous turbulent history of all the earth and all the world we saw the destruction of every human outside of the ark. He saw death everywhere around him due to that judgment. Even before the flood, he witnessed the awful violence and the wickedness of man. He saw the bloodshed and the rioting and the cursing, the violence that was around him. And when he was in the ark, when it rested again on dry land, And when he came out into this new world, it was a world at rest. And Noah's very name speaks of that rest. And God gave the rainbow a promise, a covenant arrangement, that he would never again judge the world by a flood. And it truly was a tremendous comfort, a word of promise to the heart of God of Noah. So, rightly, Noah was called rest. Now, who gave him that name? Most likely it would have been his father. And his father would have given him that name in faith that God will bring rest upon a world at judgment. Now, then we look at how this prefigures our Lord Jesus. Who is the answer to the sin, the wickedness, the violence, and the judgment of God that is upon this world around us. Who is the Prince of Peace? Who is the one who was born and lived and died that he would reconcile wicked men to God, and so bringing peace into our hearts? And of course, it is the Lord Jesus. And we can see that parallel in the person the very life, the name of Noah with our Lord Jesus. Now, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and of course, our Lord Jesus is the Messiah, the shalom who will come into the world. And so we can preach tonight, even for this pattern that we see in Noah's life, that our God is a God who brings rest to the sinner. He brings rest to the troubled heart. He brings peace to the wicked, and even those who have defied God, there is a way of peace through the blood of the cross, through the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus, that they can be brought out of through judgment and brought into a world at peace. Now, Noah was also a type of Christ in that he was singularly chosen by God. We read in chapter 6-8 that the world was exceeding wicked, that uh, it repented God that he had made uh, the world and made man uh, because of his wickedness, and he decided that he would bring judgment. And then verse 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One man, out of all the human race at that time, one man. And he— now becomes the head of a new world a new purpose and a plan of peace and grace for the world and we see here that noah was an appointed man to be a indeed a savior of the world to be one who will keep life alive and that there would be life on the other side of the flood now if you look at chapter 6 verse 9 you'll see the pedigree of noah that he was a man who walked with God, and he was a just man. He was righteous. We know also, and we studied Second Peter, that he was called there a preacher of righteousness. And so while it was a wicked world in which he lived, Noah held up the standard, and he declared the righteousness of God. And, of course, he did this by faith. He did this by knowing and experiencing God. And God chose him to be the head of that new world. And so, in all of these areas, he typifies, he prefigures our Lord Jesus. Because when God determined to save the world, he chose one. He chose one person who would become the Redeemer the Savior, the Noah of the whole world. And the Lord Jesus was divinely appointed. He was sent by the Father. He was prepared a body by the Father, and he was the chosen one to save the world. Now Noah built an ark, and he built it out of gopher wood. Our Lord Jesus was nailed to a cross. And surely there is some correlation, although I wouldn't build a new doctrine on it, but we see the immediate correlation between Noah building the ark out of wood and our Lord Jesus dying upon a Roman gibbet, a tree. I don't know how many trees it must have taken to build the ark, but it took one Redeemer on one tree upon the cross of Calvary. And Right through the Bible, there is this revelation that God will choose his Son to be the Savior of the world. And you can see now in this Bible interpretation, I'm bringing you back to the mechanics of Scripture, I'm bringing you back to to see Christ in the whole plan from the beginning. God, who planned the cross from eternity, who put Adam in the Garden of Eden— Permitted sin to come into the world, but already had a plan of redemption. And in every phase of history, in every advance of the Old Testament eras, there was a red line, a straight, objective look right to the crosswork of the Lord Jesus. And so we truly do have Christ in all the scriptures. There is this progressive revelation of the Lord Jesus. Now, Noah's name means rest, and our Lord Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Noah was the man who was singularly chosen. Our Lord Jesus was especially chosen by God the Father to be our Redeemer. And Noah also was a representative man. Now, we dwelt on this quite a bit last week when we looked at Adam— But you've got to understand that covenant figures stand in the place of a people whom they represent. And in this case, Noah represents all the world that is going to follow his offspring after he comes out of the ark. And through this obedience of Noah, because God called him to obey him, and by faith Noah obeyed and built an ark. He feared God. And because of his obedience, when God said, Go into the ark, Noah was saved, and his household, his three sons and their wives and his own wife, they were eight in the ark. And therefore, all were saved through one man, this representative man. And this is the gospel. This is what is the, the very essence of the plan of redeeming love. Through the life, the death, the resurrection of one man, we are saved. It's not our works. It's not our performance. It is the work, the life, the death of our Lord Jesus. And this representative pattern— which is developed right here at the beginning of the Scriptures, leads all the way to the redeeming plan of God to save the world by the death of his own Son. And so, in this history of Noah, God was preparing the way for the coming of his own Son. And there is a great parallel here, and we must look out for these parallels, these sketch lines of the Redeemer in these various portions of the Bible. Don't miss Christ. That's the thrust of what we're learning on this Bible interpretation on types, shadows, and figures in the Old Testament. Don't miss Christ. When you read the lives and the events of the Old Testament, they're not just scattered, historic uh, issues that developed and were resolved or became a problem and people either lived in or died in. There is right through the Bible a wonderful preparing the way for the ministry and the life of the Lord Jesus. Now, I've just been preparing the way to this point, because now we come to the meat of the message on Noah as a type. And I want to take you to chapter 8 and to verse 20, and I want you to see that Noah is a type of Christ when he built the altar. Uh, Genesis 8, verse 20, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. And it goes on to talk about the burnt offerings. Now, this is the first time in the Bible that you read of an altar being built. The word altar appears. Now, we know it's not the first time that blood was shed in the worship of God, but it is the first time that we have a revelation in the Bible of man seeking God by a sacrifice on an altar— And for this reason, of course, God had prepared the way when he told Noah to take not only two by two of every animal, but of the clean animals, which would be used for food and sacrifice, take them by seven pairs, so that there would be sufficient animals for sacrificing. You could imagine what would have happened if there only had been one pair of animals of whatever the uh, sacrifice was—oxen or sheep— and God commanded Noah now to offer them in sacrifice, they'd be extinct. God was preparing the way. And now he is commanding Noah to build an altar and to sacrifice by the blood. And we're told that he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, we learn something, that while Noah escaped the sin and the judgment of the world by the flood, sin was still with him in the ark. Sin was still in his life and in his family. And although Noah was a saved man in the sense that he was saved from the flood, and although he was God's man in the world, he could not approach God without a sacrifice by blood, nor can we. And this debunks the notion that man can ever be sinlessly perfect this side of heaven. We always have a problem of sin when we seek fellowship with God. And God is teaching us and teaching his people throughout history that God always demands blood, a blood sacrifice that we may be reconciled and worship God acceptably. Now, this doctrine of the blood—we call it a doctrine because it's a consistent teaching right through the Bible—this doctrine of the blood continues not only in the life of Noah, but in Abraham and the patriarchs, in Moses, in the Levitical sacrifices, right to the day of Christ. And so, Noah here is not only offering a personal sacrifice but he is doing something that is a picture of the Lord Jesus offering atonement and offering blood to be reckoned to reconcile the world unto himself You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. Thank you for being with us through the program today. We've been learning about Bible interpretation. And for this, of course, students go to seminaries for years. They learn Hebrew, Greek, dig into all the linguistical requirements of exegeting the Word. But at the end of the day, the Spirit of God is the one who reveals the truth of the Scriptures. Here is a story that the Pilgrim reports Dr. Harry Ironside as a young preacher visiting the aged Alexander Fraser and listening enthralled as one truth after another was opened up from God's Word by Mr. Fraser until he could constrain himself no longer and cried out, Where did you learn these things? On my knees on the mud floor of a little sod cottage, in the north of Ireland, replied Mr. Fraser. There, with my Bible open before me, I used to kneel for hours at a time and ask the Spirit of God to reveal Christ to my soul and to open the word to my heart. He taught me more on my knees on that mud floor than I could have learned in all the colleges and seminaries in the world." That's truth. And it is true that every godly man that has faithfully and devotionally with the Spirit's power expounded the Scriptures has learned that prayer and Bible reading, Bible study go together. And so we ought today to get on our knees with our Bibles, read and pray, pray and read. Let that word enter our souls, and pray that the author of the book will open our hearts to receive that word by faith, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. I pray that that will be true for you, and the Lord will lead you to be a Bible student even on your knees. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister, in Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister, in Berry, where Reverend Anthony De Derno is the minister, and in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister, you will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one to one with you, so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at six zero four. or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving care.